The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my co-host, Joe Truini. A lot of things to share with you during this hour, including drain problems. Is a bigger snake needed? Well, it might be. We're going to try to uh, diagnose that toilet problem, and we've got a couple other toilet questions as well. It's a very common thing and a very simple thing to repair to save you a lot of money on your water bill. Also, something that's extremely important, when you're installing a floor, especially like a vinyl floor. You got to have a real suitable and proper underlayment. We'll tell you what that means uh, when we get to that point in the show. Of course, we've got a lot of emails that came in this week. We're going to kind of spend a little bit of time trying to knock out a lot of those and answer those questions. And by the way, you can send us your email anytime by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Of course, the one thing that everybody's looking forward to each and every week is our simple solution from my buddy Joe Truini. How about a little tea? and what's coming up, Joe. All right, Danny, I have a really quick and easy way to store your garden tools. I'm talking about long-handle tools like rakes and shovels, stuff like that. And this little storage compartment you build might take you 30 seconds. Unless Danny's helping, then it'll take 90 seconds. But... <laughs> Well, we have to talk about fishing. That's, as we're that's because we'll be, we'll be shooting a segment on it, and it that's takes a little right, longer. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we do have a lot of information to share with you. And as we always say, we want you to um, you know get in contact with us and ask us any question that you may have, any comment that you may have. And, of course, if you've got a tip that has worked well for you around your home, we'd love to hear it so we can share it with our today's homeowner audience all across the country. One way to do it is to pick up the phone and call us at 800 946 4420, or you can send us an email at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Like I said, we're going to tackle a few of those emails here in just a little bit. But right now, let's go to the hotline and see and listen to some of the questions that came in this week. Hey, guys. Uh, just heard your segment regarding garbage disposals and the, the do's and don'ts. And uh, something my wife and I always seem to argue about is so we have a septic system. And I know the rules of engagement are a little bit different with septic systems. However, Scraps of meat, is that an acceptable thing to put down the garbage disposable, especially for a septic system? Okay, Joe, it's it's marriage counseling time here. He uh, <laughs> very subtly pulled us into this conversation here, but <laughs> that's okay. And and I'll tell you, you know, the subject of um, garbage disposals with septic tanks has been going on for years and years. And let me tell you my take on it and see what Joe says about it. First of all, the research I've done says that it is perfectly fine to have a garbage disposal with a septic tank. Now, not all septic tanks are created equal. Some are very good, robust systems. Others are very marginal. That does play into the functionality of the the septic tank and uh, its acceptance of the waste that comes through your garbage disposal. You do want to use it sparingly. You you don't want to just put everything down there. But I had a septic tank for probably 30 years with a garbage disposal. Never had one single issue with it at all. But I've always used 
use the, the garbage disposal the way you should, adding just a little bit down into the drain, into the garbage disposal a little at a time. Don't pack it out there and expect right. it to grind all of that out. I always use cold water. It's recommended to use cold water instead of hot because it grinds things up a little bit better by not um, forcing it down the drains. But yes, you can use it on a septic tank. You need to use it more sparingly and make sure that you have plenty of water to flush it all out. Joe, what's your opinion on it? Yeah, that's exactly right. And the other thing that you see people do all the time, Danny, you should never do is put something in the garbage disposal, then not run it. Because maybe it's like just a lemon rind or a couple of little pieces, because what you don't know is someone else might be doing the same thing. And next thing you know, this thing is packed. And if, if these things start, some, some materials might expand when they get wet. So don't do that. If you put in, every time you put something in there, two rules, run it and run it with water, turning on the water. Don't run it dry. But regarding his question, yeah, you can put meat down there as long as they're small pieces. You're not jamming a whole roast beef down there at once. <laughs> but I know it's, I suddenly flashed to a Fred Flintstone episode. <laughs> um, but do not put bones. You know, I don't care how small the bones are. Sometimes they say, well, if they're just fish bones and they're small, but I wouldn't take that chance because. You know, you get a bone jammed in there. Good luck getting it out. So, yes, you can grind up the meat, but uh, not the bones. One of the things I heard when Joe was talking there, he said, you know, you're right, Danny. And uh, occasionally we'll hear things like, you're exactly right, Danny. And uh, the one I like the most is, Danny, you're finally right. So um, if, if we can take all of these and kind of loop them together, we'll get, we'll get Corey, our engineer, to work on that. And I'd like Maybe to for Father's a, Day, we'll send you a tape kind of, a, of just uh, me I'll, saying, almost like right, a Danny. meditation thing, yeah. just a meditation tape I can make. Yeah, we'll, 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 let's, let, let's work on that, Corey. That would be really good. Can. Right. We'll get to like five minutes of me just saying, you're right, yeah, Danny. Danny, right. great idea. You're right. And then every, every time you get an argument with Sharon, you can just play it on your phone. Hold That's on right. a second. And then, let me, and, yeah. and then walk away. Yeah. Do that. Just turn it on and walk away. <laughs> The next sound you hear will be your phone hitting the river behind you. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Hey, let's grab another call from the Today's Homeowner Hotline. We have a cottage with a double deck down on the lake, and it's a, the deck is about a block away from our cottage, and it is in need of cleaning and paint. The problem I have is the cleaning product that we've used on our decks at home and at the cottage require it to be rinsed off. And... We don't have access to a hose down there. And I'm wondering if you know of any product that we could use on that deck. It's quite weathered, but we do need to clean it before we can stain it. So it is not within distance of a hose, and we need to clean it. Wow. That's an interesting I've got thing. The perfect, I've got the perfect answer for good, this, good. Mr. Lipford. Go, go, go for it. Go for um, it. There are a couple other options, but um, there's a company called Works, W-O-R-X, Mm -hmm. And they make a bunch of portable power tools and lawn and garden tools. And they're sold at Home Depot. I know they're sold at homedepot.com. I don't know if they're in every single store. But in any case, they have this really unique product. That I've never seen anything like it before. I'm sure other people make them. I've just not seen them. It's called, theirs is called Hydro Shot. And it's basically a battery-powered high-pressure wash, high-pressure sprayer. All right. And the great thing about this is it can be connected to a, hose faucet, or you can draw water from a bucket or a bottle or a lake. So in your case, you can't use it with salt water. They don't recommend that, but for a lake. So you just take the hose that you can attach to it, drop it in your lake, and just spray away. And it's 20, I think it's that? a 20 volt, 20 volt battery, completely, you know, portable. Um, you don't need any electricity because it's battery powered. You don't need 
to be connected to a hose. You can, but you don't need to be. So I, I would check this out. Go to works.com. And again, that's W-O-R-X. And I think they even have two or three versions of this. I'm not sure. It's been out for quite a while. But anyway, check that out. That might be the perfect option for this caller. Boy, that's a great idea. I never never heard of that. I yeah, can see a lot out. of different cool. applications yeah. like that. That's another good one. Let's grab one more call from the Today's Homeowner Hotline. I have a question. We have a attic access that's in a tall alcove that we would like to put bifold doors on to make a closet. However, the ceiling is sloped, and we're having a difficult time figuring out how to attach the top bracket or whatever you would call it for those bifold doors. So if I'm understanding this correctly, the ceiling comes down at an angle. Correct. Uh-huh. So they can't attach the the rail that goes against the right. head well, that, jam. That, that rail with those bifold doors, you know, is hanging um, well, it's basically pivoting. So you have the pivot on the bottom, pivot at the top, but it has to slide. I can't imagine any kind of configuration where it would work on a slope. So that top part there, you may have to build a secondary frame to build a frame down and maybe extend the drywall down a little bit over that. But that top guide and rail would have to be perfectly level for those bifolds to work. So might think about other ways of doing that. You might be able to support the doors on the vertical support, so on the, the each side to where it can still swing and maybe latch. In that case, then you're not relying on the track up top, and you can cut it at an angle to fit that. It'll be a little little funky looking there, but it might work out well by supporting it on the sides versus the top, but that's about the only way I could see that that could really be approached. A unique situation there from, from a homeowner, and uh, it's always um, every single project in your house is unique, and uh, it, sometimes it takes a little head scratching to get it right, but in that case, I think supporting it on either side should work well. Or maybe a sliding door. We don't usually recommend sliding doors in closets because it only allows access to half the space. That's a tricky one right there. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We're rolling through a lot of callers, a lot of information, a lot of things that we're going to bring to you so that you can have the best looking house on the block. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Think about a map of the United States and think about taking a little flag, a little pin, and putting it every place that we have a radio station to be using over 360 pins and it'll just about cover up the whole map. We're so proud of that here at today's Home on the Radio and we want to put a spotlight on a special station, Elk City, Oklahoma, KX OO 94.3 FM. Special hello to everybody there in Oklahoma, and we want to help you out. And here's how easy it is. Just pick up the phone, 800-946-4420 is the Today's Homeowner hotline, and you can send us an email anytime by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. We're going to get right back to the hotline right now because we've had a lot of callers in and see what we can do to help this homeowner. My question regards a toilet. There's a problem with it clogging. It also has a blue discoloration in the bottom of the bowl. I saw on another website that it was advised that the blue streak uh, could be caused by minerals building up in the pipes. We have had it snaked by a plumber. And he has advised us that he thinks that that could be the problem and that we might want to consider 
getting uh, a drain company to come with a longer snake and snake it further to see if that would dislodge some of the mineral buildup. Uh, I'm wondering what you would advise. Okay. Well, um, I think I would advise the same thing because a lot of times when you have a clog on a toilet, many times that is a gradual buildup, whether it's toilet paper or exactly what it is within the pipe. There could be just a little bitty um, part of the pipe that has just maybe just a little um, you know, piece of debris and it gathers more and more and more. So when a drain, the first snake that you're speaking about um, in draining might have uh, opened it up for a little while, but it might have just opened up a small hole when you really need the full um, size of the pipe opened up. So um, pulling the, um, and I found that if you don't pull the toilet, it's very hard to really access very deeply into that. Now, some drain um, um, cleaners will get up on the roof and use the vent to go down. But either way, a drain company with a larger um, drain snake probably is exactly what's needed because, Joe, that's probably a a gradual buildup that has reduced that four-inch pipe maybe down to a one-inch pipe. Yeah, and and like you said, if if it builds up slowly over time, so sometimes it's hard to notice. It's not like suddenly a kid flushed a toy down there and you went from flowing to not flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she, they, they could snake that out more. And she said there, there's some blue ring in the Yeah, what toilet. do you think about that? What is well, that? Yeah, and the plumber said it might be minerals in the water. From my experience, it's not, I mean, minerals in the pipe. It's not minerals in the pipe as much as it's minerals in the water, and that mineral is typically copper. And that's what calls that causes that blue stain right along the water line. Um, and what happens is the copper makes the water a little more acidic than it should be, and that creates that line. The good news is it's not harmful. It doesn't make the water taste bad or smell or anything like that. Um, and to get rid of it, you can just mix um, a cup of water and a cup of ammonia and pour it in a toilet, let it sit a few minutes and scrub it, and that would get rid of it. Now, if it's a severe problem, you might have to do that every month or so, depending on how much of this um, copper is in your water. Um, but, and I also want to mention, Danny, every time we mention using ammonia, I just want to clarify, you never mix bleach and ammonia because that's a very dangerous gas. So in this case, it's just equal parts water and ammonia. All right, great. Thanks a lot for that comment, Joe. Let's get right back to some more emails here because okay. we do have some wonderful emails. You can send us one at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Mike from Kentucky said, the outside of my aluminum gutters are filthy and they need a good cleaning. Do you know if there's a wet and forget product that would work? If not, what do you suggest? You know, that is um, amazing sometimes if, if you don't clean those aluminum gutters, and I really don't understand this because, you know, uh, aluminum Coated aluminum gutters just seem like they would just repel, um, right. you know, yeah. dirt and so forth. But boy, when they really get that dark stain on them, it's just about impossible uh, to clean it off. And and I guess a product like Wet and Forget, something that you can spray on it that will gradually work against mold and mildew, would certainly help. But um, what else could take place here? Because you can only scrub it so much before you yeah. damage the gutters. Yeah, I think, and and you're right, it seems odd because when you put up brand new aluminum gutters and they're painted, um, you know, they seem pretty smooth. I think what happens over time, Danny, 
with the exposure to rain and a lot of sun, it gets almost like a matte finish. And that matte finish isn't as slick and easily cleaned as the brand new gutter. Because I have that same issue on my gutters and I'm, I haven't cleaned them yet. Although apparently my wife put it on my list of things to do. So I'll have to figure <laughs> that out. But yeah, I think Wet and Forget is a product. There's another one called 30 Second Outdoor Cleaner. It's I'm pretty sure that's a concentrate. You mix it 50-50 with water, spray it on, whatever you use, spray it on there. And again, I would just use a you know, get the smallest bottle as possible and, and just do one section to make sure it works. And then you can scrub it off with uh, just a extension pole, um, spray it with a garden hose or with a pressure washer. I, I, I hesitate saying just use a pressure washer because if you're not careful, you're shooting this up at the roof in the wrong direction. And the last thing you want to do, of course, is force water up under the shingles or damage a shingle um, with a pressure washer. But yeah, I, I think any outdoor cleaner, I'm not, I don't know of any homemade solution. I mean, I guess you could just mix up, you know, almost oxygen bleach and hot water and try scrubbing with that oxygen bleach, not chlorine bleach. Um, and that might work. Um, the, the hardest part is going to be, how can you access these gutters? If it's a ranch home, single level, it's only up 10 feet might not be an issue, but you know, if it's higher than that or a second story it might be a little more challenging. Yeah. A lot of people fall off ladders when they're dealing with gutters because you're just so uh, tempted no to joke. reach out a that's little no bit joke. too much and uh, that ladder will shift on you. So be real careful on doing that. And sometimes you just have to clean it, especially if they've uh, been dirty for a long, long time. Sometimes you just have to clean them as good as you can and put a light coat of acrylic latex paint over it. You don't want to do that unless you have to, but I have done it and it's worked very successfully. Another um, email we'll get to here. Um, this is another toilet issue. We always get a lot of toilet things there. It's problematic, but Madge in um, Des Moines, Iowa says, Hi, Danny. I would like to get my toilet to flush completely. I must hold down the handle until the bowl is flushed clean. Why does this happen and do you think I can fix it myself? Um, well, there's a lot of adjustments, simple adjustments inside the tank of a, um, a, a regular toilet. And a lot of times the, the that in a situation where it's not flushing completely, there's usually two main reasons. One, you're not getting enough water in the tank. So that means that the water is stopping before it gets to about a half inch below the overflow tube. That's where you want to adjust it, fairly simple to adjust it, to get that much water in it. Then you want to make sure that the flapper, when you push down the handle, that the flapper stays open for just a little while to allow that flushing action, and then it slams down on top of it. If the chain is too short or too long, that can prevent that from happening. But the other reason that um, a toilet will not flush is actually an obstruction in the drain. If there's a partial obstruction there, it's just not getting that, that flush flushing action that you want because it's just resisting the water going into it. It may eventually go, but that indicates a drain thing. Another very common um, problem for uh, toilets that we hear about, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. We often say it, people don't spend a lot of time thinking about their toilets until it's not working. Then it's all that's all you can think about. Um, I had this problem once, and it was because the flapper valve was closing too fast, and it's a very easy fix. Just adjust the chain. You know, so you want about a half inch slack in that chain. Um, so that that'll probably solve the problem. 
And you can go to todayshomeowner.com and see a lot of common toilet uh, repairs, as well as our friends at Fluid Master. Fluid Master, right. of course, yep. are the are the kingpins in the uh, toilet um, repair industry. And so you can go to fluidmaster.com as well. But you know, um, uh, you know, we we talk about toilets a lot. It's not you know the most uh, glamorous type of uh, home improvement, but uh, I'm telling you, you can waste a lot of money, provide a lot of frustrations if that toilet's not working right. And you know, it seems like you get a toilet working right, Joe, it pretty much stays in pretty good shape for a long, long time. Um, but um, it, it can create a, a big situation in terms of wasting tremendous amount of water. Hey, we appreciate all of these great emails we've gotten. And when we come back after this short break, we're going to tackle a few more. It might be your email that you sent in. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. And welcome back to the show. I'm Danny Lipford along with my buddy Joe Truini, and we're knocking out as many questions as we can because we want to get you as much information as we possibly can during this short time with, with you each and every week. We're actually going to go right back to the hotline right now and pick up another call. Um, putting down underlayment, quarter-inch underlayment uh, over a tile floor. Going to put the vinyl floor on top. Do I need to nail that or screw it with ring shanks, or what do I need to use? Whoa. I don't think you're going to be able to nail through tile. I assume we're talking about ceramic tile or porcelain tile. Yeah. Well, I think um, I think he's talking about the underlayment. So yeah, um, but, you know. but he wants to put the plywood quarter inch plywood over. Oh, a I got tile you. I see floor. what you mean. I see yeah. what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, you're not going to nail through that or screw yeah. it. You're going to have to glue it down. So make sure you're getting the right adhesive that you need. It most likely will be in a bucket, and you'll use a a notch trowel to install the right amount. And that's very important that you check the directions on the glue, on the adhesive that you're using to see what size notch trial. A lot of people don't even realize that that has to correlate in order for right. it to yep. adhere to, to perform well and to adhere to manufacturer recommendations. So you know, just read that, get the right trial, and then put a nice even coat on it put the underlayment in place. And I always like to, of course, I always have leftover blocks and bricks and things. I like to kind of weight it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then um, I think it's better just to let it, let it sit there overnight and really dry out and cure really well. So there's no movement once you're starting putting uh, your vinyl floor down, but the, that underlayment and preparing for whatever floor you're putting down is the key to a successful flooring project. Yeah. And if you're putting down an underlayment, be sure it's rated as an underlayment. I've seen People just grab quarter-inch plywood and put it down, and it's not supposed to be used under a floor. Now, the other option you might have, Danny, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, if this is a floating vinyl floor, meaning it's not fastened down, he might be able to just skim coat the tile with a self-leveling underlayment, which is basically like a really thin concrete, not concrete, cement. It doesn't have any stones in it or anything. It's just cement. Self-level it so that you create an even flat surface. You fill in all those grout joints, and then once that's cured and smooth, you can just lay your your vinyl floor right on top of that. Now, the reason you need to do that, of course, is because 
all those little grout joints would telegraph through the vinyl floor otherwise. Okay, that's another good one. That underlayment is, you know, asking questions about, can this floor be laid on top of this floor? That right. That is still one of the most popular questions we have um, on today's homeowner.com. And we put a lot of articles in there about that very thing. So if you feel like uh, reading up on a little bit of that and doing your research, which is a good idea, then you'll know right where to find that information. Uh, here's another email from Paul in Florida. I'm having an asphalt shingle roof installed uh, on my Florida home. Is it necessary to add a solar-powered roof vent to cool down the attic? If so, will that reduce my energy bills? Well, well you could you could talk to this. Didn't you install a couple of those someplace? Well, well I, did, I did. The solar-powered exhaust fans for your roof have gotten better and better. I'm still amazed at, at how you can cool your attic using the sun. There's just Isn't something that great? That's, yeah. that's neat about that. And, you know, you don't have to have any power. You basically cut the hole, install them properly, um, you know, um, make sure the shingles are flapping over the flange of the fan like it should. And it's a pretty easy way to have a very low volume but constant exhausting of hot air. However, there's a lot more to it than that. And it gets a little complicated in that if you have exhaust, which is good, whether it's a passive exhaust through um, ridge venting, or you have a power roof ventilator or a solar powered roof ventilator, you got to have some place for that air to come through. And normally that is around your eave area or your soffits. With ridge venting, you need continuous soffits, which is really the very best way to have that even influx of air coming in all the way around the home and then being exhausted by whatever means. You got to have more than just that. The solar powered exhaust fans for the roof are a good idea, but you got to have some place for that air intake to come in. Extremely important and a good knowledgeable roofing contractor can certainly advise you on your style of house and what needs to be done. Here's a plumbing question for you, Joe, from Michigan. Rick calls in or writes in and says, I replaced the car in my tub and shower single handle faucet, but it still drips slowly. What else can I try? And inside those little valves there, there's, there's boy, it is so almost fragile. Uh, yeah. and del- delicate how you have to deal with some of those little uh, rubber grommets in there that could have a yeah. little tiny split in it. But what would you advise to to Rick from Michigan on that one? Yeah, that's tricky, right? Because you replace the faucet and 90% of the time, maybe 95% of the time that, that stops to leak. But when it doesn't, it's like, well, now what? You know, I've replaced the guts of this thing and it's still leaking. And I would guess it's probably because the faucet may have a a ceramic, brass, or even a rubber seat. And the seat is what the val- what the um, cartridge closes against. If that's compromised in any way, that will allow the water to drip out, no matter how good or how new the cartridge is. There are uh, valve seat tools that kind of, the plumber would put it in there and kind of smooth it out or glue something over it, a new one over it, or replace it. So I- I'm just guessing that that's probably what it is. All right, there you go. It can be a little tricky there, but just carefully take it apart and make sure there's no debris in there um, at all. Right. Here's another yeah. Here's another quick, and I, I kind of like this one. Fletcher from Texas says, I'm trying to save the wooden handle on an old garden hoe. The wood grain <laughs> on the on the handle is starting to split and separate due to dryness. Is there a product I can use to seal up the hoe handle and extend the life of the handle? Uh, I like this because, you know, so many people just going to, you know, throw it away and get a new one, but I'm... I I'm, like that myself, too. I like That's the great. conservative nature of that. Well, Fletcher, actually, you know, 
almost anything you have in your shop you can put on it. I mean, it can be latex yeah. paint. It can be um, uh, polyurethane. Uh, anything that you can seal up the pores of that um, of that um, hoe is all that you really need to do. You can put one coat, two coats, whatever. The more you do, the better it's going to last, the better it'll protect it. And, of course, keep uh, store your hoe inside is going to help a lot. But, Joe, if you were to choose a right. color that would reflect your personality in your hoe handle, what color would you paint yours? Um, how about a nice leopard print? No, oh. a color. Well, I always like painting my tools a color that I can see easily. Because often you lay a tool down. Don't ever paint a green because you lay yeah. it in your grass. You'll find it with your lawnmower. So I usually paint it a bright red. I have some leftover orange uh, fluorescent paint that I, I spray some hands. So I'd probably use something bright that I could see. Why? What, 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 what do you paint your handles? Lime green. I well, there you go, for the same for, reason, right? Lime green, so that you can you can see it. I have a lime green shirt, an exercise shirt that uh, my wife recently bought me. And for some reason, I like that thing. I don't yeah. know. I can, yeah. I, I, it's like, look at me, look at me, I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's also called chartreuse. I think that's what yeah, exactly. chartreuse is. Yeah, I like that color. <laughs> hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more emails, more calls, and more information that I guarantee you, you can use. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Deitch Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch. You know, a lot of times we have people that um, really don't realize how big today's homeowner is. We get a lot of questions about it. A lot of people just see us as a radio show. A lot of people see us as a television show. Well, today's homeowner is a brand that's been around for 25 years. It's our 25th year on national television. We have, um, of course, our radio show that uh, has been on the air about 14 years. And, of course, we have a fantastic website at todayshomeowner.com. We also have checking in with Chelsea.com, my daughter a web show and web um, blog, as well as uh, Three Echoes Productions is a production company that produces videos and different um, video assets for people all over the country. And of course, a lot of social media. I hope that you're able to join us on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, a lot of different information that we provide each and every week. Another thing that we do here on Today's Homeowner each week is answer as many emails as we can. And we encourage you to send us one at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. This one came in from Tim in North Carolina. I have a problem with black sediment in our water pipes. We had our house built in 2019 and black sediment is clogging all of our sink aerators. The city inspected the water supply lines and even replaced the fire hydrant out front. I also checked with our neighbors, but none of them have this problem. Can I flush out the pipes myself or must I hire a plumber? Any help would be appreciated. Very interesting. You never know where that sediment yeah. may be. Someone, the you know, let's call it a sloppy plumber, maybe got a little bit too much dirt in there and it's taken a while to flush through there. But first thing I think about on something like that, Joe, is to find an outside faucet, a faucet that might be lower than the rest in elevation than the rest of the uh, uh, faucets in the house. Right. And I could see very easily either just turning that on and letting it letting it go for a while yep. or maybe, you know, put a hose on it so it doesn't... Cr- 
you know, create any uh, drainage problems. But And then just turn it on wide open, go inside, turn all the other faucets on, and that's really purging that system. That's allowing uh, to take away any of the, the, the vacuum locks that might be in it, and then that's just pushing it right out of there. Do that for a little while, turn everything off, then go ahead and tackle that water heater and tackle and drain that water heater, which we talk about all the time, being a great thing for you to do every, you know, one or two years to get the sediment out of there. Um, what else could you do, Joe, to try to prevent um, the sediment that, that he's having problems with? Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, obviously he's on city water because the city came out and inspected his pipes and his neighbors. He wouldn't have checked with his neighbors if he was on a well because they'd have to be on their own well. I'm, I'd be surprised that this house was built in 2019. So it's been four years already that if there was any sediment in the pipe from when they built it, you think it would have been flushed out by now. So I'm not really sure. Sediment's typically caused by minerals, soil, sand, mud, something like that that's in the water. And the only thing I could suggest is the last resort would be to install a, an inline sediment filter. I've installed a couple of them. I have one in my house now. The The best one to use is the, it's not cheap, but the best one to use is Honeywell Brockman. I think it's... Uh, I used to have that number in my head, but anyway, Honeywell Brockman. And what I like about it, it's a back flush system. So it has two or three stainless steel filters in it. When they get dirty, you just, you just open it up and you can back flush it into a bucket or I just shoot it out the window of my, of our basement. And there's no filters to replace. Cause if you buy one of those other ones, we have to, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be married to buying a $20 filter every month for the rest of your life. So that's the only thing I could suggest. And that's not going to stop the problem of having it in your water, but at least it'll prevent it from coming through the house and clogging up all those aerators, not to mention the washing machine, the dishwasher, and all those filters in your house. That's right. Tim, hopefully that helps you out, but just a little flushing like that hopefully will move that sediment onto the outside. Another email from Gloria in South Carolina. Hey, I need a little of your advice. After years of washing our wooden porch with Dawn detergent and chlorine bleach, the nail heads have rusted pretty badly. How should I treat them before repainting? Um, well, you definitely should do that. And I'll tell you something that we've done fairly recently is to actually take a rust inhibiting paint. We had a lot of nails on the side of a house, but we didn't want to have to prime the whole thing. So actually what we did is we took a small grinder and boy, make sure you use face protection as well as um, eye protection. And we just kind of very carefully ground the rust off, remove the rust from um, all of the nail heads that we had. Then I took a paper plate and put a small hole in it the size of that, put it over that particular one and sprayed it with the rust inhibiting That's primer. Smart. Yeah. And so it so that way it didn't have, you know, it didn't go anywhere but concentrated on that. Yeah. And it's much better, like anytime you're spray painting, to do several light coats instead of one heavy coat. But we did all of that, allow it to dry well. We touched it up with paint. So far, so good. And this particular house that we did it on is right on the water. So it's getting a lot of uh, maybe a little bit of salt air coming in from time to time, but that'll work uh, pretty well. Hey, Joe, coming up next is our simple solution. Can you give us just a little bit of tease on that one? Yeah, it's a little tip on how to store your long-handled garden tools. Well, this is the time of the year to be working with those garden tools, make it a little more organized and, and a little easier to find what you have with the tip coming up from my buddy Joe Truini. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. 
Well, certainly welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. You know, you've probably been doing a little work out in the yard. The the weather's getting better and better all over the country, and maybe you've gotten a little frustrated when you're in there trying to find the garden tools. Maybe there's another approach to that. Well, that's what this week's Simple Solution is all about. Take it away, Joe. All right, Danny. Thank you. Most people store their lawn and garden tools in the garage or shed by simply standing them up and leaning them against the wall in a corner, typically. Um, while there's nothing particularly wrong with that, that approach, it's a little messy, first of all. It's hard to grab one tool without knocking over another tool. So I thought I'd come up with a simple solution, and it couldn't be any easier. What you do is take three concrete blocks and simply stack them up on top of each other. And you can put this anywhere you plan on storing your, your tools. And then what you end up with is two deep compartments, because the blocks are hollow, right? Two deep to compartment for storing your long-handled tools. So the, the blocks are heavy enough that you don't have to worry about them toppling over, um, no matter how many tools you fit in there. And you don't have, and if you don't have enough headroom to lift them out, you can use two blocks. But typically, if you have an eight or nine-foot ceiling, you can stack three blocks and still have enough room to pull out these tools. And you put them in, obviously, handle first with the blade end sticking up. Um, so now you have a nice, neat place to store the tools. They're out of the way, um, but more importantly, they're easily accessible. You can pull out one tool without worrying about knocking over any of the others. And how long did it take to create this little system? If it took a minute, it was probably a long time because you stack them up. <laughs> you stack them up and, and slip the tools in. Simple as that. Well, that's great. I'll tell you anything, and, and it all goes back to the basic principle of organizing your shop or your garage or yep. whatever, is get as much as you can off the floor. And this allows you to consolidate that. And, and a lot of people will hang um, you know, their tools on the wall. And there's various ways and various systems that make that you know, work out pretty well, but that can end up taking up a lot of room. And, exactly, and, and, yep. and, and also you might get out there and realize you really don't need all of these tools that you've accumulated over the years. And maybe you can put some away or give some away or whatever, and still yep. have everything that you need around your home. Another great simple solution from my buddy, Joe Truini. Want to remind you what you can see on the Today's Homeowner Television Show this weekend. It's a project we're calling a brand new bunkhouse or bunk room. And and it's, a, it's pretty cool. You might have different uses for this kind of thing to be able to, uh, you know, have as many people sleep as you can in one particular area, especially if you have uh, kids or grandkids. And that's what we did. We took care of some grandkids here and some grandparents that really needed a little extra space for all of those kids. And we built bunk beds. Everybody loves bunk beds. And, and where do you see how we created these just using standard stock materials? We ordered a mattress or mattresses online. They fit perfectly. Everything worked well. We put a little lighting in there, a little little um, nook for them to put their toys and things, and even created a large drawer, basically, like an old trundle bed that would pull right. out from yep. under the bed. And boy, you can pack the toys in there so that you end up with a nice organized area that can accommodate a lot of those little sleeping kids. So uh, you can check it out by going to todayshomeowner.com and find out where you can see it in your area. We also want to remind you, hey, Father's Day's right around the corner. And so uh, kind of think about um, what your father wants. I mean, I'll tell you, over the years, I bought a lot of terrible gifts for my father because I just <laughs> couldn't figure out what he wanted. Well, ask him, ask him, you know, hey, what would you like to have? Or what would make your life easier? Or what is something that you've never bought for yourself that you would like? Now, that may be you know, a Porsche, but, um, you know, you, you, you want to be careful about that depending on your father's needs, but, uh, just don't forget about him and make sure you take care 
of all of that. Now, that pretty much wraps up the Today's Homeowner Radio Show for this week. We really appreciate you being with us. And remember, you can reach out to us anytime during the week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week by calling our hotline, 800 946 4420. And you can also send us an email. We love to get emails. Today's Homeowner.com slash ask. I'm Danny Lifford, along with my co-host Joe Truini, our producer Jacob Scarborough, our engineer Corey Wilson, and the whole Today's Homeowner family. Hoping you have a fantastic week and a great weekend. We'll see you soon.